Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just the Two of Us podcast where you know the deal. It's just the two of us. I'm John. I am Nate. And we're just sitting alone, just the two of us. Except tonight we have a special guest, Mr. Derek Pearson. Hey, hey guys. Hey, thanks for coming in. Yes, of course. Happy to be here. <sighs> Derek is a co-worker of mine. We met a little over a year ago. That's when I came to the shop there. Yep, yep. I was a bit of a transplant, Derek. That's how I felt, at least, because I came from one shop um, or, you know, a dealership that was sold to another dealership. So I was kind of one of the goods that was bartered along with the deal. (laughs) (laughs) So I had, uh, you know, a bit of anxiety going into that, you know, wondering whether I would be up for the task, whether I'd be good enough to uh, fit in up there or be accepted. And I remember it was, you know, pretty early on when you had made a comment like, yeah, we're, we were all really excited to get you up here and get you into our shop to work for us. And that, it eased a lot of my anxiety moving in there. Um, so whether you knew it or not, I was studying you for the last year (laughs) because I think you're, uh, I think you're, uh, I think you're a good leader, Derek, and you are in management there. So that does require some leadership skills, correct? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's something me and Nate talk about a little bit, leadership stuff and, uh, you know, what it takes. Is that something you uh, consider, you know, on a daily basis? Um, I, I, I try to, you know. Um, and, I, and that's not just, I guess, at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of was raised to lead by example and... Um, you know, the, the best foot forward, um, all the time. And, uh, I got blessed with, you know, be- besides other jobs, just being able to be around really good mentors or role models. Okay. And I, I think that really helped. It does. So, I mean, you're not just born with a knack for leading people or most people aren't, I guess some people maybe are, but it's nice to learn firsthand from someone. Um, and it, it's kind of a luck of the draw. You got to put yourself into the right place to, to learn from the right people. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would agree. Well, who was a good leader for you that you can remember? Um, I, I would say a really close family friend. His name is Robert Anderson. He was, uh, a family that we raced with growing up. So dirt bikes. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. R- raced dirt track. Um, and he he was just he was just an awesome guy down to earth and uh very humble um and he he owns i think they have three or four diesel shops around the twin cities for um like semis okay so he just i would go to work with him and uh a friend of mine his his dad and i would just watch how he handled himself and how he handled um, employees and always treated everybody with the utmost respect and um, didn't matter what you did for them you know if it was the um, shop supervisor there or um, just a lock guy like I was okay you know how long did what did you work for those guys um I did I worked I like I, I went there and just hung out a lot 
okay. with my buddy. Um, but then in college, I actually, he hired me on so I could go there after school and then work. So I, I'd only put in like probably 30, 35 hours a week. It wasn't a lot. Only. Yeah. Only 35 <laughs> hours a week. Well, just it, shy of full time. Well, <laughs> well, and what I do now, I just yeah, like, yeah. Not what you do now. Yeah. Uh, that was like a sem, heavy diesel. Yep. Semis. Semis. Yeah. Okay. They just did repairs, or what were they doing? Well, they they did pretty much everything. I besides uh, the shops that they had at the time didn't have a body shop, but okay. they would do anything transmissions, major motor stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Diesel Minnesota, it's called. Shout out Diesel Minnesota. That's right. There we go. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned he's a pretty humble guy. I think that, me and Nate talked about it a little bit, but I think that's probably the you know, the number one quality I would see in like a good leader is humility. Um, being able to keep your ego in check. And, and, I mean, I think that leads to pretty much any good quality in a leader i mean you got to start there by being humble right and then that helps all your other qualities too right and it's not an easy thing practicing humility and it's not fun always no never (laughs) you know yep yep uh derek you i to me you're a pretty humble dude i don't see you get too worked up about too much stuff i mean you can definitely lay down the law when you need to I haven't been on the receiving end of that yet, but I'm sure it'll come one day. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, usually, uh, John, I can honestly say that you'd probably be the last guy there that I would even have to go after. You challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. You, you really, you really, uh, you just have your nose down and you're doing what you need to be doing. Keeps a guy out of trouble, you know. Right, exactly. It sure does. So what what makes uh, Derek so humble? I mean, what uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you came from. Um, a lot a lot of that has to do with how I was raised, for sure. Um, but practicing that on a daily basis, to be honest with you, it's being in recovery. Okay. You know, living my life by the twelve steps, it it really is what's really helped me a lot Mm -hmm. and helped me just grow as a person it was it was literally to be honest with you it was hell getting to the point to where i could grasp on to recovery but being an alcoholic is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me interesting i mean that's an interesting take on it right Mm -hmm. to say that that you know it's one of those things that you know you wouldn't change what led you to where you are so, I mean, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story, Derek, hopefully we can help someone else maybe in uh, a circumstance that you were in. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you can you walk us back to to where that all started? Yeah. So I, I grew up in a household that never had booze. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is almost to 40 years in recovery. My My dad... Growing up, he never never drank. Um, I never seen him drink, and he had a relapse and got a DWI. And at this point, I, I don't even know what recovery is. Um, How old were you when the for I was the DWI? Th- 
five. Okay. Okay. Pretty young. Six. Yeah. And then he actually, by the time I was in eighth grade, he did it again. And then one more time, and my mom, my mom was done. So the divorce started. Um, I was going into high school. Um, then I, I didn't drink or do anything until I was going into my senior year. Was that something you battled with through high school too? Because in high school, I mean, all the kids are doing this and that. Is it something you were conscious of? Yeah. Fighting against? Yeah. Or not I, doing? To be honest with you, I, I was, I seen what it did to my family and I was worried. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Sure. Um, so like I'd, I'd still go to parties and stuff like that. I just, well, I wouldn't drink and a, a big thing that, you know, my dad told me that I, I had buddies getting minors. I had one buddy get busted with marijuana um and he just flat out told me like you'd take my bike away for a while if you know any of that would happen to me and so I, that was part of me in my in my head um but to be honest with you right when I first got I would say a buzz looking back on it now I knew now I can say yeah that feeling yep yep I knew I was gonna have a problem with it and interesting so like that early on you knew as soon as you tried it, you're like, yep, that's going to be a problem. I Yeah, like, looking back on it now, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, like, just because I I wanted to drink more often than, like, my friends did, okay. right? So, like, college, it was a great deal, yeah. right? Because yeah. everybody... No supervision. No. And <laughs> I had my cousin that was 21 um, went to St. Paul Concordia, and I was, I was at Dunwoody. So I was living in St. Paul at that time. So he was valeting cars and got me a job valeting cars. But he knew all the the bartenders at the clubs we were at, at the restaurant. So like I didn't get carded ever. Sounds like a perfect storm. Right. And and for me, it was. It was it was great. And I, I even remember I remember my mom saying, Derek, I just want you to be careful. I want you to know what is in you for DNA mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what's, um, you know, my great uncle has got 58 years of sobriety. Like my whole family is in recovery. I swear I was just the last one to get the memo on it. But when it comes down to it, like it just really took off in college. And then I got my first DWI in 2000, 2009. And are you racing at all during this whole time in college? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how did you? How was your performance? I mean, did you see it decreasing as this party life picked up a little bit? It helped that I was only like ice racing. Okay. So, racing dirt track. There's not like a, a supercross or anything like that. Um, but I'd say, yeah, definitely. I, I just wasn't as focused. For for me. At that point, this is how, like, racing is, was, like, my whole life. Like, that was everything to me. Yeah. So, for me to start pushing racing aside a little bit and saying that I, I wanted to, you know, be at school and flat out I wanted to, you know, hang out and party, that that was red flags to, to a lot of people for me. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you, you really – you. You don't see it in your, in yourself until 
it take it usually takes a while and which is really unfortunate and it's hard to it's hard to grasp when you don't think you have an issue yeah i mean that's pretty typical to totally be in denial right mm-hmm. that you have a problem yeah you can handle it oh. uh, you can control it right oh my gosh yeah so that first dwi was that a wake up at all to you oh yeah definitely it was okay. uh i blew actually three times league limit point two four. Oh baby and you're out you're actually m- mobile yeah, and see that's that's where it gets real scary mm-hmm. um we can get into that a little bit later but um yeah so it was a small town that i grew up in that i got it and the the judge my my dad was there and the judge looked at my dad and just said derek's gonna go stay with you to my dad and he's gonna be on a alcohol monitor until he's done with his court date so this monitor would go off three times a day it was like seven in the morning three and like nine and i'd have to blow into this machine and it would you know register if i if i was drinking or not yep so you know my cork date i got done with that and i'd say it was a good eight months before i drank again and well, they like, they ran that monitor from the time you well in time they got it set up after your arrest until your court date mm-hmm. until you? until it was my court date was done okay so like it so let's say I think it was like ninety days okay. that it lasted until like I was sentenced what okay. happens if you miss one of the alarms cop would show up at your house oh they come check on you mm-hmm. yep so that puts a damper on anything else you want to be doing oh yeah like it, working or yeah, riding. Was, yep. It was, it sucked. How old were you at that point? I was 21. Okay. And then I, I was, I was, yeah, it was eight, it was eight months. It was a, a 13 months in total, but it was eight months after my, or 12 months, sorry, in um, eight months after my sentencing date that I didn't drink. And then I started back up. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It was a, a breakup. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That'll push a guy. Yeah, and and this, that's where the whole justification always comes in for for me was yeah right like this happened to me so yep got a drink, but the problem was with me it was good day drink bad day drink it, it didn't matter sure you know so I I you know I I wish I would listen to a lot of people you know when they you know were worried about me or and that's probably the the number one thing that I. I didn't like about using i didn't like i didn't even like looking at myself in the mirror in the mornings which only compounds the issues right right and that and then, makes you dig deeper into that hole right and, then, and so are people actually accompanied with concerns during this time family was definitely okay. um and like close friends it was it was a lot of you know are you, are you doing okay is do you we just feel like you you're drinking a lot you know and you know, if it, let's say my mom was saying it, I'd, I'd say, mom, I'm, you know, I'm not an alcoholic like you. And looking Ooh. back at that, like, I hate that I even said it. Yeah. You know, and my mom being in recovery, she knew that that was, you know, the addiction part of it talking, not sure. her, her, her real son. But yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it's just been, it's been one crazy ride. 
from when I when I picked up again, um, I was it was 2014 when I got my second one. So five years later, mm. and in between there, you're saying it's still on that same path, or are you in and out of recovery, or what do you? Doing? No, I I wasn't even starting. Didn't full, even think about recovery full yet. Bore. Yep, it was any chance I got, I was I was drinking, um, and it 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 go in spurts too, like of like how bad it was. You know, it it, it would go from I w- I would say I'd always at least have a cocktail a a night guaranteed, um, but it was after even after my my second one, I that was pretty much the same case. Like it, I got put back on that monitor, um, except this one I got a lawyer, so this one strung out for six months. And you're on that monitor that for that six months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so at the time, I was working at a place called Weeks Forest Products, and it's just a big lumber yard that was like a wholesale lumber yard in St. Paul. Okay. So like I'd have to... It, the thing would go off in the morning, and then they were nice enough to let me do it at like 6 30 so i'd you know yeah just snake through rush hour coming home to cambridge and yeah so that one that one was more of an eye-opener because i had jail time on that one so okay. hmm. that one but I, even but like before sentencing i mean you you and they give you that monitor do they give you any other resources <laughs> on top of that or is it just like hey cold turkey here's your monitor <clears throat> on the so the first one I had to do like a mothers against drunk driving course, like class. Okay. Um, and they're kind of just trying to scare you out of it, right? Basically, right. Show right. you all the bad things that happen. That is, and and believe me, that I had to do that class again, and I just I hated it because one, you see the pain in those family members, and you look at it as that could have been me taking someone else's, you right. know. Um. Yeah, that it's just really hard to see. Um, but the the second one, I had to take a chemical use assessment, and to be honest with you, I just I lied through it. At, that, it, at that point, I, I knew that I had a problem. Like if that would have came back, them recommending inpatient, outpatient treatment, or yep. whatever they were to recommend, I would have had to follow that. Mm-hmm. So I hundred percent lied and got my got my you know assessment to say you know it was just a it was the sunday's masters were on and i was watching it at a friend's house and that's just what they said it was just a a gathering and sure shouldn't have been driving Mm -hmm. um but that one was a a 0.17 still obviously double but um and that one they put you in the clink yeah because it was at that time from the first one I was on probation for five years and I was two weeks shy of breaking that probation. So wow, they gave me, was that something you had in your mind of when that probation was over? Or was it kind of just a distant memory? It was, I, I didn't, suppose not because you're checking in right with a probation officer. I, I got, so during that, that time they kind of have like a, kind of like a tier Sure. So I was on like the lowest tier, and I I don't I didn't need to check in unless I was gonna leave like the country, okay. or even the state. I would I would have to tell them where I was going, but other than that, no, I didn't have to. And 
I didn't think of it either. I didn't even think of it when I got pulled over. I didn't think of it at all just because I, I was so close to being done. Um, but yeah, so they, it was 30 days that I spent in jail, but I had work release. So I got out to, to work and so pretty much all I was doing is coming back and spending the night in the jail, but weekends were long. That's for sure. Mm. Fun little slumber party. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But that's, like I said, that's still didn't, still didn't do it. Um, so after sentencing the jail time, <clears throat> fines that go with that too. Yep. And after that is all through, then it's probation again. Right. <laughs> and then yep. they take the monitor away. Yeah. The then monitor, after. The, that was, after sentencing, that yep. was, that was done. So okay. then I had, it was like two months then I had a report to to jail so I didn't have to go like right away or anything sure. um yeah so that I mean so after that then it's just back to normal life for you are people pushing you after that to get into a program or anything yeah family was for sure sure yep um but that's usually something to that's hard to talk someone into right and, and that's you know like I said coming from a family that's in recovery like my Unfortunately, like my mom has said before, she she knew I had a problem and she knew that I had to find it out on myself. I had to find, you know, something in in me that said, "Yep, I got a problem. I need to change this." And well, and being in recovery for <clears throat> so many years, your mom has probably seen this story play out a ton, right? At mm-hmm. programs and things that when people come in and tell their stories, right? And she's seen it a thousand times, I'm sure. Yeah. So she can nudge you in that direction, but. It's going to take you. How are you doing mentally then? I mean, are you realizing you have a problem yet? Oh. Or are you still in denial? I'm st- I'm I'm still in denial. Okay. I I still I still think all my all my friends are drinking the same as I am. Sure, I hung yeah, out right. I hung out, got, I hung out with the people that yeah. drank as much as I did. You were just unlucky. Got caught. Right. Yep. Yeah, so I I got, you know, got through through that a whole mess and probation. I had to call I had to call in every every Friday I want to say and see if I would have to come in and do a UA it was a color wheel they called it and if yellow got called then I'd have to come in and do a UA and whatever forgot a call and w- went in failed it they put they put me in jail it was going to be for what was it it was 20 days um and this this is how this is how crazy it gets, and I know it's hard to some people to understand. You know, like why does this guy just quit? But yeah, um, <laughs> so not, not I, that easy. Well, that sounds horrible. Why didn't he just stop drinking? Right, right. <laughs> I know. So I, I went, I went to into you know PO and said you failed it, and Derek, you either can turn yourself in, or the you know a deputy is going to be at your house. All right, I knew I wanted a drink and I knew this was probably going to happen again. So I asked my probation officer, what can I do to get this done with? Well, you can execute your sentence. Okay. What does that entail? Tells me, well, you got 90 days you need to do. And if you do 90 days, then you're, you know, you'll be off of probation and you'd be done. I said, okay, so good behavior and all that. And he gave me the number and it was 60 some days. I said okay. I talked to, I talked to 
to work to see if I'd be able to um, be able to like not be at work. Yeah, take a hiatus. How does that conversation go exactly? No, I mean, are you giving them the details on why you're taking? Between 60 and 90 days off? (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere between 60 and 90? No, it didn't go well. No, I bet not. And I said, all right. And I said I was leaving work, and I went and did my jail time. And I did um, in that same place where I was at before. They had a work uh, program, so you could go out and... Pretty much, you'd see those people picking up garbage. Yeah, it was like that. Except they, at the time, they were doing, which I don't, I don't understand this, but cutting tree branches and trees for ditches with okay. chainsaws. Yep, give, okay. give a bunch of. <laughs> hey, nobody else wants <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yep. Give a give a bunch of you know people that are in jail chainsaws. Anyways, so I did that, and every day you worked, you got a day after sentence. So I. I think I did like 30 days. and No, it was like 35 or 38 because we didn't do weekends. Um, but So I, I got done with that, and then it was I, I, I met a girl. Slow down, and uh, I was with her for a while. Um, Is she part of the – was she part of the same crew? Yeah. As I mean, far as what's – you know, partying yeah. on the weekends and – I would say she, she drank quite a bit. Okay. Um, not – I mean – not like me to the point of like every day, but I mean, I want to say that she has like a, a problem, you know, like she, a normal mid 20 year old. Right. 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 And that's when I, I, I couldn't stop. I literally, I, I could not stop drinking. Did you get another job? Mm-hmm. What were you doing then? Uh, I was after just, jail time. I was working. Cutting trees? No. <laughs> no. Found his passion. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Right. Lumberjack. No, I was I was actually uh, working at a plumbing place called Jaber Mechanical, um, so I was just uh, pretty much an apprentice. Okay. And yeah, I just it, it got to the point that I I could not I could not stop drinking like every day. Like I was now now I was hiding it, and my mental health was just going downhill real fast. Yeah, I mean, juggling something like that's got to be really taxing, right? Mentally, was, yeah. My, I mean, I mean, is this nights and weekends, or is it? No, now it's every, now it's now it's every every day, and it was like if I wasn't working, it was you know by midday I was drinking already, you know. Um, and it it got to the point for for me that I was even there was mornings that I was drinking just to get rid of that feeling that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, mostly my my depression, um, I knew that I, I had depression already. Um, I actually went and got seen. It was after my, actually after my second DWI, um, and, you know, got diagnosed with depression and anxiety and that whole thing. And my, my biggest issue was you, you mix alcohol, which, you know, is a, a downer, you mix that with depression and anxiety, and it, it's just like throwing gas on a fire. Oh, hmm. You you know, if you if you're in a depressed state, um, your depression just gets you know ten times worse. And um, I I got to the point that my at the time the girlfriend she didn't want to see me drink myself to death. Sure. Hmm. You know, and I, to this day I, I don't I don't blame her. 
um, I, I, I still was drinking it like every day. And at, at, at this time, I, I, I actually lost my job at Jaber. I was the, you know, only job that I've lost. No. And it was just from not showing up. Okay. And, you know, that, that still bothers me, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's not a fun thing to have on your record. No. No. I mean, aside from 2DWI. Right. <laughs> also, being fired is no fun. Right. Is Depression, is that something you had dealt with at all in your younger years before yeah. drinking? Yeah, I think I just wasn't. I just wasn't open about it with anybody, and sure. it was mm-hmm. more, you know, I'll just bottle this crap up and well, and leave now it a lot of that stuff is in the open too. Where, <clears throat> you know, years ago, you probably didn't even know what exactly what you were struggling with. You know, right? Like it's got this bad feeling right now, and I can't really pinpoint it down. Right. Now it's a lot more out there. People are talking about it a lot more, which is super helpful. I mean, it at least gives a lot of people insight on what they're dealing with. Right, and I think that's a great thing. Yep, for sure. And all the programs that's out there, that's a really good thing. Um, no, so the girlfriend and I broke up, and I got into a treatment center. Um, is that something you pushed yourself to do? This yeah, was after I, the breakup, after the job loss. I needed, yeah. You I was actually enough. friends brought me to the hospital. I was, it was about probably it was in the summertime, and I was literally shaking, and. It was from a day of drinking, which was for me, it was like three days of drinking. Was what are a, we drinking at this point? Was it hard liquor straight out of the bottle? Vodka. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yep. Vodka or whiskey. Um, but yeah, I got to the hospital and point four. Oh, baby. Yep. I mean, that's a lethal level, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, that's when the doctors, you know, and I had to, I had to stay at the hospital for a week. It was my blood pressure and everything was through the roof and um yeah it was then like i went to a started you know looking up treatment centers and actually found one in in rochester and went there and had a had one more relapse and i decided it was so much fun i wanted to go back to it how long is how long is that first treatment center 30 days okay oh okay and what are they working on there so that one was one of the only true dual diagnosis. So they call it, you know, chem- chemical dependency disorder, and then also like depression, anxiety, mental health stuff. So okay. they okay. they combine both of them because male feels like that it's uh you you can't fix one without the other. Absolutely sure. Which I would definitely attest to. Um, but f- for me the after that breakup this that last one um that i started drinking like every day right before then um it was this was 2016 um my i don't even like sharing this but who gives a crap yep (laughs) all right so i started hearing voices and i didn't tell anybody didn't tell a soul and what are these voices saying right away Think of the most negative things people can say to you. Yeah. About your self-image, self-thought about yourself. Yep. Constantly jabbered in my ear. Constant. And it's different from like a thought in your head. Oh, it's way different. It sounds like a voice talking to you. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yep. That seems like it'd be very scary. Yeah. And and what's crazy is 
if I would get this perfect buzz on, like I wouldn't hear it. But okay. once I didn't like drank one more, you know, whiskey diet. Yep. It would be a light switch would turn on and they were just in my in my head again. So I'd get to I'd get to the point for that and I still even at treatment I, I was like, There's no way in hell I'm telling anybody that I hear voices. You know? Right. I, yeah, I'll just straight up put you in a padded room somewhere. Oh, right. I was like, No, no. You know, I'm thinking schizophrenia. I was like, No, I'm not I'm not saying anything, you know. And um I didn't say anything about that until 2019. And I know some of that is brought on by chemical abuse. Do you think that was a factor in what you had going on? Well, that the so what I got diagnosed with was it's called schizoaffective disorder. Okay. It's a kind of like schizophrenia, um, except I I don't have um, that psychosis that um, schizophrenics can get into. Sure. Um, that's highly where it's like a hyper paranoia right. type of thing. Yep. Okay. And they don't really know what they're actually right. doing. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I was this after recovery that you were you yeah noticed that? No, this this was I noticed this before before that first recovery stint in Raj. Y- yeah. Okay. Yep. So this this started in like 2015. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't mention anything until 2019. Um, and to be honest with you, it was in 2019, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Like I was starting to get suicidal and that doesn't happen to me like often unless I'm drinking. Yeah. Um, so I got to that, that point. I was like, I'm about to pick up a drink because yeah, I can't take it. So I, I went into the. The hospital in Rochester and they admitted me um and they you know ran blood work and said Derek what's going on we're glad you know you didn't you didn't relapse so that's a good thing yep but what's what's going on and I finally just I said I can't take it anymore you know and I I told the doctors and they they ran a couple of tests and um mostly it was it was questioned stuff um, but they said, yep, this is, you know, what you have, this is what we're going to try you on. And, um, I barely have heard any voices at all since then. Since going on medication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with, I know with, um, quite a bit of medication like that, it's a kind of a trial and error and see what fits and what works for you and what doesn't you know, drag the rest of your body down too much. Is that something you had to go through or did they do a pretty good job of prescribing right away? Um, they actually nailed this right on the head. Like good. my depression meds, that took a long time to get. Um, but yeah, it takes a while. And I guess I, any advice for someone going through mental health stuff, um, is always to to have faith in your in your team of doctors or doctor or whatever you have that they're going to find something that's going to work and just keep the faith and 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 don't don't give up you you can get better and some some of these medications just need time yeah yeah i mean they're they're trying to help you the best they can and that's going to take some trial and error right mm-hmm. so like i said just keep faith and keep pushing and, and, uh, keep trusting those guys. They'll get you what you need. 
Yeah. Um, so if we can dial back, I think we were in recovery the first time in Rochester, right? Mm-hmm. How does that sort of program go? Is that just a lot of meetings and hanging out, chit-chatting about what you got going on? Or what do they, <laughs> do they try to give you some skills to cope with, with the addiction? Or what do they do exactly? So Rochester's was was set up just, I personally just think those people are great there. But um, so you would have two small group sessions a day. And the there was a green group and an orange group. So you would, in these small groups, that's where you got down to the crap you bury and the reasons why you drink, the reasons why you use drugs and alcohol. It, it was pretty much what really makes, you know, the reason why you use. And, you know, most most cases, not all cases, you know, there's either, you know, uh, PTSD or there's mental health or yep. there's, you know, lost of family members. Um, and some people just use because they use. Um, but most of the time, you know, especially with those dual diagnosis people, most of the time there, you know, there's, there's something in there. Um, so it was a lot about learning yourself, learning your behaviors. You had to like share your story. So those sound like some tough conversations to have. Especially with people that you don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a very, it's uplifting. You you know, you go through like, not going to talk about other people, but like, like myself, like I I went through absolute hell to get to just walking through those doors, Mm -hmm. going through that, even that 28 days that you're there going through that with the people that are there. It's, it's amazing. Like, you, you get close with those people because they're most of the time it's the darkest secrets that you've never told anybody. You're just sure. blurting out to these, you know, yeah. nine other people that are in that room with you. Yeah. And that's gotta be like a judgment free zone too. Right? right. Right. Yeah. And it, it truly is like, I mean, even we didn't talk like if let's say you were sharing your story with, with the green group, we wouldn't go tell the orange group, you know, about yeah. what so-and-so said. Like it, it just, it was a really, it was really a good experience for me. I learned a lot about myself. I shouldn't say experience because you know, I was in treatment, but it was, it was just something that I, I needed to do on my journey. But did you fight it at all uh, when you first got there, or what, did you know that you needed to take that journey? I mean, when you no, I I knew. Okay, you were ready. Yeah, I I, sh- I showed up there with a point one four. Okay, from drinking the night before, like. And my my counselor, his name was his name was Jess. He sits next to me. They're they're waiting because obviously I can't go into treatment smelling like booze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they actually had me stay up at uh, in a St. Mary's hospital room to detox. Yep. Okay. But he goes. He sits down next to me. He's like, "You know why you're here?" I told him because I have a drinking problem. He goes, "Well, yeah." He goes. He goes, you're, you're here because you blew a point one four and it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I don't think this is a... You're uh, like, yeah, if you want to get into specifics. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he goes, I don't think this is just a one-time thing. I was like, no, that's probably fair. And he, he goes, I'm going to come check on you later. And I'm thinking, no, this guy's... No, he's not, right? Yeah. Sure enough, about 5 o'clock comes knocks on my door 
as I'm sitting in the hospital room and he hung out with me and didn't talk recovery or anything. Okay. Oh, nice. He just asked me like where I was from and we watched we were just watching TV and it was just it was just an unbelievable feeling that a, a person that doesn't even know me you know is showing me this much empathy mm-hmm. and uh support you know he also is in recovery so that it i still go to go to meetings with him cool oh awesome yeah so we get done with recovery there treatment mm. recovery do you call it tomato tomato yeah sure <laughs> let's not get into that john yeah <laughs> um so we finished that up feeling pretty good i assume mm-hmm. or better so that was a, that um uh, like the dual recovery aspect of that did they get you on meds during that session or <clears throat> was that after you got out or how did that when did that start so my they they had me on they swift up my anxiety medication um they got me on something that was um just a, like a one-time dose a day versus doing like a PRN. They didn't like the the fact that I could, you know, sometimes when you wait for a PRN for anxiety, it's it's almost like a little bit too late. So they, they thought it'd be better for me to be on something that's a daily thing. And they swapped that and raised my dose of my depression medication. And yeah, both those are pretty much the same as now so so you come out feeling like you got two things tackled there right I mean feeling pretty good right but the you know that when I went to treatment that was I want to say it was 2016 um they like I didn't get on my schizoaffective disorder until 19 yeah you said you hadn't mentioned it to anyone right right so I guess like I was I was still battling that for you know that those three years there and I does that feel like another thing you're trying to hide from people too then yeah like I said like, I, I don't share that with anybody okay gotcha so it, it's great we're sharing it with everybody so it's gotta be slightly therapeutic no it is and, that, okay. and, that, and that's exactly it I, I sorry I meant before you had before you had mentioned to the doctors and gotten on to medication for it is that something you felt like you had to hide up until then yeah, like something you're con- you were conscious yeah, of the whole time, con- and yeah, like I and uh, like I was saying, like I I still am. You yeah. know, it's not something that you hear often. Like no, yeah, I hear voices, man. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, it's right, just right. you know, depression, anxiety. I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's a, mainstream mental health stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it it that's at least that's what more the cool out kids there. have. Right, right. Um, but I just. I, I really, I really think that everybody deserves the care that I got, mm. you know, and I, I, I hope everybody can get that care because it, it's just life changing. It really can be. I just, I just feel like, you know, the stigma that's around mental health and the, you know, stigma that's around alcoholics and addicts, um, yeah. you know, it, it's. It's hard enough having mental health problems and issues and being an alcoholic and an addict, but the stigma that goes with it is 
you know, that's what I think that's why we have such a high, you know, suicidal rate. And it's just people that don't know how to ask for help, don't want to, don't mm-hmm. want to tell anybody. Yeah. You know, it's tough stuff. And it's, it's you know, I, I just hate hearing, you know, the, on the news, you know, I hate listening to the news in general just yeah. because how negative it can be. But yeah. when you hear those stories, it's just, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I have mental health issues, but it's it just, to me, it, it, it kills me. Cause I, yeah. I just, I really wish everybody could get the care that, that I, I have received. Yeah. We got, me and Nate were talking to another friend on the podcast about some mental health stuff. And I had kind of mentioned that it's getting a lot easier now to get help. I think because there's so many online resources mm-hmm. now it's not anonymous, but it's like, it's, I think it's much easier to, cause you can text, you can like video chat. I had a friend that used to do a video chat. I think it was once a week um, with some stuff he was dealing with. And it just seemed so much easier to me to hop on there, you know, not drive to a location and somberly waddle in there. And you know what I'm saying? Like right. it's hard no, to push yeah. yourself yeah. to physically go somewhere and do right. something like that. <clears throat> or make the call and set up an appointment mm-hmm. and get all your info. But on there, you hop online, type it in, and you're talking to somebody that can help you. Right. Like almost instantly. So that in that aspect, that the technology is helping helping people there for sure, I think. And maybe that's just me being the introvert that I am. Like, yeah, online? Yeah, no, awesome, and, right? no, and I think you're 100% right. I mean, it makes it so, you know... Um, Mrs. Larson doesn't have to see me go into the therapist office. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Be, right. You know? And then have, you know, tea with all her friends and right. spill her guts on what you were up to. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah I think you're 100% correct that it is a lot more easier to do so. Um, yeah, and I like that. You know, I listen to quite a few podcasts, um, but I see a ton of ads now for services like that. Mm-hmm. where people are actually advertising it so you know they can get the word out there for for people that that uh, want to seek help i think it's cool yeah and michael phelps does it so i want the same therapist yeah, yeah. i want to like i'll go if i go to that therapist can i win gold medals yeah <laughs> <laughs> nope still slow in the pool yep <laughs> yep um so you make it out of recovery the first time you're feeling pretty good mm-hmm. uh, and then what did, did you read I can't remember if you were employed at that point so that's when I went to Cycle City okay yep. was after recovery mm-hmm okay yep and they I knew, took, they I, took knew you I couldn't in. go back to my hometown sure okay just because of, of my friends that I had there and yep. the people that I hung out with you know they mainly used and I yeah I just I couldn't do it because I, I really wanted to get this recovery thing. And my my counselor just told me, like, you go back there, it's going to be extremely hard to stay clean. Yeah, I mean, that's some good insight on your part to see that because a lot of people don't, right? They go back to yeah. where they were with who they were. And maybe they don't have a choice. Maybe that's where they're living and they can't move somewhere else. Right. Um, but you had that insight uh, and got out of hometown, right? Mm-hmm. And how did you get linked up with Cycle City? Just was, because you're in recovery in Rochester? <laughs> well, like, hey, yeah. they, they have dirt bikes. I know about those. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, so my, my brother lived in lived in Rochester. Oh, okay. And okay. so does my grandma and my, my I got a couple of cousins and my uh, 
brother, sister-in-law, and his kids. But um, my brother and I were we were actually out. We were on the south side of town there um, at a golf course. So we were coming back in, and I was like, "Hey, Craig, let's just stop." And I I was just checking out the shop. Yep. Haven't been in there since I was a little kid, so I was like, "Let's just stroll by and kick some tires." Yep. Yep. Started talking to, I didn't know at the time, but he was the owner and he asked, you looking for your work? And I said, yeah, yeah. And I, I started there and, um, he, he was a, he's a great guy. He's a awesome guy to be around and talk about a guy that's also humble and, um, just a all around good guy. He, uh, I had a relapse with him actually. Okay. Yeah, and that that one was the that one was the last one. And uh was he recovering at all or no? No, but he oh my gosh, did he support me? Okay. That's awesome. Big time. There's a point of Derek, you know, after in my in my interview with him, I told him I was in recovery. Yep. Um and when I had when I had my relapse, you know, it was a phone call, what do you need from me? awesome you know yep and then when i got back i just when i got done with um treatment um that's when i when i got when i got done with treatment i I came back but there was i got done with treatment and there was three days there that i wasn't going back to work yet and i was doing three meetings a day so he asked me, he's like, what, what'd you do on those three days? I said, I went to, you know, three meetings a day. That's wild. In Rochester, well, in Rochester, you know, there's a 7 a.m. There is a 12, a 1 o'clock, a 5, a 6, and an 8. All in, like, Monday through Friday. So, I, so yeah, I I went to those three meetings a day, I told him. And he, he goes, well, you gonna stop that doing, just because you're here? What, 1 o'clock? You better get going. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So like he, what a great resource. He, yeah. Right. And he just told me, he's like, go for it, go for it. So, I, I mean, I did that and that those 7am meetings really helped. And you know, when he can, when he can, when he had the resources like that to go to a meeting whenever it's, it's great. And those meetings help. I mean, you go oh, in yeah. the morning, you feel better. Yep. And see, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, treatment, treatment's great, but in my eyes, treatment, the only thing it does mostly is it gives you that time away from the substance that you're okay. using so it gives you that 28 days it gives you that 60 days however long you're in treatment for but when you get out of treatment that's when you got to really work because you, you yeah. don't you don't have your you know close supports that you had you don't have your counselor you know yep. so that's where for for me aa really helped and that fellowship that you get with aa um I'd rather hang out with the, we call them the old timers. Yeah. Okay. The guys that have been there a long time, you know. They've got some just, stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you think you can drink, boy? <laughs> yeah. You know? Back in my day. Yeah. So they they just, that program is, to me, is just amazing. And um, it's just helps, you know, so many people. And I like the fact that I can go anywhere in the world to a meeting and people understand me. Yeah. And AA is like a national. No, that's worldwide. Worldwide mm-hmm. organization. Oh yeah. Okay. And how often do you go to meetings? Uh now it's probably once a week. I I try to do at least once a week. Um, 
but to be honest with you, lately it's been it's been a month since I've been at one. And to be honest with you, sometimes I can I can tell just because of my attitude. Okay. Okay. And my my whole outlook on life, you know. I mean, John, you've seen me now for a year, but most of the time I'm pretty upbeat and not too negative. Yes. When I when I go when I step back away from AA, that kind of goes away, and I'm just I can just tell I'm not I'm not myself, and, it, and all of a sudden, yeah. My brother is in recovery, and he, he used to say, "You need a freaking meeting, go." <laughs> <laughs> you, you it's know, like those right, Snickers right. commercials, where it's like, right. "You need a, you need a Snickers. You need a Snickers. You're not yourself, right?" Yeah. So, well, that's good though. I mean, it's good that people are looking out for you that way. Yeah, and that, and that the program helps you so well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it helps so much that people can notice that you're not going. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what what would you say to someone that? What would you say to someone that's traveling down that dark spiral? The big thing is you don't need to hit your bottom. You just need to stop digging. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what most of the time that I was doing. I was just digging, 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 digging deep, you know? I just needed to stop. Yeah. But if I was to tell somebody, if you know that you're an alcoholic or an addict, if you can honestly answer it, you're an alcoholic and an addict. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're to that point, yep. yeah. if you can be honest with yourself and, and others, but most importantly at that phase of your life, if you can be honest with yourself, then then you need to take action. You know? When yeah. it when it comes when it comes down to it, if I, I, I just would tell anybody that's, you know, listening, reach out to Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, you know, reach out to your healthcare provider go to you can get a chemical use assessment at many resources around the twin cities in even here in red wing um rochester you know go go get help the for for myself it was such a dark place and the world is so much more beautiful looking through your eyes when you're clean Mm -hmm. than when when i was using yeah, and like you said, I mean, you ran into some really cool people, right? When you started traveling down the road of recovery, mm-hmm. people that cared about you, people that have been through the same thing, right? And they, they all, they all under, they all understand you. They, they understand. No one's gonna judge you at an AA meeting. No one's gonna say, "Oh my God, he did that." I'll tell, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, sorry, this is a little bit off topic, but <laughs> You're fine. that's so, fine. <laughs> all right, so you do the the twelve steps of you know, AA and you, you get to a point where you need to, you know, write down all of your wrongs and people you've wronged. Right. So like I'm, and then you need to share it with your sponsor. So I, I write down like this huge, just, you know, five page stuff and I'm just writing, writing, writing. I share it with them. I'm, I'm crying. Right. Yep. You know, cause I, I well, feel you're like you're digging all that stuff back up. Right. And, right. Yep. Yeah. And he looks at it and he laughs. I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm I'm about to smack this old guy in his mouth. You know, yeah. like how yeah. can he be laughing at me right now? Yeah. He goes, he goes, that's it. <laughs> you should see mine. Let me go get you mine. Oh no. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry about it. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna clean all this stuff up. You know, we're gonna make amends to the people that you need to make amends to. And I said, well, what if? 
what if, what if they don't what if they say you know f you yeah who cares mm. you you at least cleaned up your side of it mm-hmm. true and that's it's still hard to hear because you you want that oh yeah don't worry about it you know yeah, water right, over yeah. the bridge you know yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it does it does happen but the the, the key was my, my my point in that saying all this is when no one's when no one when you're at a place that no one's gonna judge you and 99 percent of the people in the rooms probably done worse than you unless yeah. you killed somebody yep. yeah you know yeah it for me it's 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 easy to open up sure. it's easy mm-hmm. to be honest you know um yeah, like like I said, it's just recovery is is such a a beautiful gift that I am very blessed to have right now. Yeah, I know that I can. Tomorrow could be a different day, but today I'm clean and. Yeah, that's a lifelong thing, right? I mean, it's not like well done now. Right. I I wish it was that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. If there if there was a pill that would make me be clean for the rest of my life, I'd be drinking right now. Yep. Yeah. I'll take that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can literally quit anytime I want. Yep. I just got to take a pill. Yep. yep. Where did I put that now? Yeah, exactly. Where did I set that pill? Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's been great. It really has been. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us, Derek. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of resources out there, everybody. Yes. Yeah. Just Google it. I don't know them all off the top of my head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just type in two A's, and. Oh, for Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. yeah. Bam. Oh. Uh, it's org. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. There's even an app for that, guys. Get the app. If That's you need help, one. get the app. Yep. It's not a, you know, cure-all pill, but it is an app. Yeah. Like I said, I would, I'd recommend anybody, if, if you're, if you're contemplating, if you are a alcoholic or an addict, just go to a meeting. Just go go to one. It's not going to... You can put down your using for one hour and just see what you think of it and how you feel after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can almost guarantee it, if, you, if you're in the place I was, you'll, you'll, you'll come back for another meeting. And I imagine at a meeting you're going to get... <clears throat> you're going to get... Um, you're going to hear some stories of what you know, your life could turn into, oh, but you're yeah. also going to get stories of a lot of people beating it, um, which could put some wind in your sails, right? Just hearing how other people made it through and beat it and, right. And are continuing to fight. Uh, for me, it was the the best thing was hearing like on, uh, speaker meetings. It's when someone shares their, their story. I loved those because I could really see, you know, this person's been clean for five years. This one's yeah. been 30, you know, and, sure. and up. So you could really see the program. It it works. Yep. You know. After going through all that, are you kind of proud of your parents and your brother for getting yeah. through it and continuing to oh, yeah. stay on the path? I'm proud of my whole family that's in recovery. Yeah. And I, like... And it, it it brings us so much closer too. I could imagine. Yeah, it, it really does. And I I just actually I could show you a text of my brother. I just told him today, love you, very proud of you. Yeah. Like it it's it it's a uh, having a whole family that's in recovery. It 
it makes it easier for it makes it easier for all of us if, you know cuz i'm not like the the black sheep the of black the family sheep, yeah, right, you know right. so yep. yeah is there ever a competition then to see who's got the chip that for the longest amount of time isn't that they give you like a yeah. one year two years yeah so my brother will give me crap because he's got longer than I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but, That's a cute But then little... my mom will slap down hers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then my great uncle slaps down his 60. He's you like, know? I got a bag yeah. of those things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's great. But, we yeah, we have a lot of fun. And it's, like I said, I, I just feel so blessed to be at where I'm at in life and um, being able to just sit here and do this. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a it's a good thing. Well, and we you know we kicked this thing off talking about leadership a little bit and how someone like you, Derek, can stay so humble. And there you have it. And that sounds like a humbling experience. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Also, racing dirt bikes is probably pretty humbling. <laughs> yeah, it can be. You can feel like a hot shot in practice, and then you hit the track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once uh, once you got that pro sport license, and then everybody was real fast. <laughs> Where did they all come from? <laughs> yeah, I know that's they weren't at the local track. I right? know, right? That's what. That's it. That's the truth, right there. Can we do another podcast just talk about dirt bike racing? Oh, we can definitely do that. So we, yeah. you know, I was pretty fast in my day. No, I, I don't remember that. Faster than Nate. Yeah, I don't. Believe <laughs> don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be down to come talk about that anytime yeah we should swap some stories on dirt biking yeah we can always do that well cool thanks derek yeah, yeah. thanks a lot no thanks a lot for having me guys Definitely. it's been a blast we'll get back together oh one my last thing sorry mm-hmm. i meant to bring it up earlier but i forgot um you had done you mentioned to me that you did a speech for a high school maybe mm-hmm. where you shared your story mm-hmm. was that was that set up through aa or mm-hmm. how did that all come to be uh through a sponsor Okay. okay. Yeah. He knew someone that was on the board. And school board. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and they just wanted a, a speaker to speak before their uh, high school prom. That's okay. so awesome. Yeah. Just get it out there. Yeah. And it's a that was a good experience too. You know, whenever I whenever I share this kind of stuff, it always. It always brings me back to that I am, you know, one drink away from being yeah. back where I was, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, and this stuff really helps. Cool. Sharing it. So glad I could be helpful. Thank Did you, you get much. any feedback from that, from the high school speech from anyone? I mean, those kids are kind of young to be battling anything too serious, but I mean, not completely. I shouldn't say that. I, I guess, I guess we, I got some feedback of just that, um, some of the kids could, you know, relate. Okay. Either from a family member or, yeah, you sure. know. So, um, I think that tactic was just a... So it didn't fall on deaf ears completely? No. No. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember high school, but I don't know. Yeah. Sitting I, through I, speeches about things. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think, think I was all too attentive for those sorts of things. Yeah, I don't think I was either. Actually, no, I think I blew him off most of the time. But now you're like, listen up. This is <laughs> <Yep>. important. <laughs> you're like, yeah, they said that when I I'm was in high school. Too. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Who's this joke? Yep, yep. yep. Cool, bro. Cool <laughs> story, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> Probably. I'm lucky I didn't get anything thrown at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. We'll get that dirt bike episode in here soon. I like it. Well, this has been another episode of Just the Two of Us, where I'm John. And I'm Nate. We'll catch you later. Talk to you next time.